0: I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so there may be no divisions among you and you may be perfectly united. Uh, That's what Paul says straight after his introduction. He launches straight into it, his number one issue. I thought I'd do the same. Uh, It's verse 10. It's a key verse in the whole letter. It's about unity and how important it is. As I thought about an introduction to the sermon, I've sort of struggled. Normally I try and come up with a personal story, something about disunity and division. Now it's normally a bad thing if I can't think of an example like that, but in this case it's actually a good thing uh, that most of the churches and people I've been involved in have been quite united. So it's quite good I've got to really uh, struggle to to think of a story about disunity. Uh, the tragedy is the same can't be said for lots of other churches. is going to show us a picture. Here's uh, a diagram showing the Church of Scotland and uh, the various splits and uh, new denominations that started since the time of the Reformation. The writing's pretty small but on the far left begins with one church in the Reformation and then at different points it splits and forms new denominations. Now I know the Scots have a reputation for being disagreeable But uh, to me that diagram just seems a little incredible even for Scots. It would be uh, funny if it wasn't so tragic. Uh, The Scottish Presbyterian Church have had divisions over theology, like when the Church of Scotland first split from the Catholic Church. Uh, They've had splits over bishops that produced the Episcopal Church. They've had splits over how to understand the division between church and state uh, that led apparently to the burgers and the anti burgers, which sounds something like a vegetarian restaurant, I think. Uh, the covenanters, they split over whether you used a prayer book or not. And then another denomination even split over the right of elders to disagree and object to decisions of the assembly, which all sounds very Scottish, I think. Uh, The end result of it all was that there on the right hand side by the year 2000 Scotland has seven different Presbyterian denominations as well as the Episcopal and Catholic Church and they all began from one church. Now you may think that's an extreme example uh, but things aren't much better in other parts of the world. Uh, Gordon Fee in his commentary on these verses is spot on when he says it's easy to see the urgency of a paragraph like this for the contemporary church, which not only experiences quarrels at a local level, but is also deeply fragmented at every other level. Churches and denominations, renewal movements that all too often are broken off and become their own Church of Christ, as well as every imaginable individualistic movement and sect. The likelihood of total visible unity in the church is more remote than ever. This fragmentation is both a shame on our house and a cause for deep repentance. If there's a way forward, it probably lies less in structures and more in our readiness to recapture Paul's focus here, the preaching of the cross, as the great divine contradiction to our human ways of doing things. Almost sounds like a sermon, really, doesn't it? Doesn't sound much like a commentator. Uh, And that's what we're going to do tonight, uh, focus on what unites us rather than divisions, focus on Christ and the cross and the gospel that joins us together. So what is it that Paul wants? Well, look back at verse 10. You can turn that off, thanks Dan. Uh, Verse 10, uh, Paul appeals, he pleads and he says, Brothers, each one of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Brothers, he says. Family. Family sticks together through differences of opinion. Family are connected by bonds stronger than friendship. Uh, Family fight and argue, so I'm told, Uh, but they don't separate, do they? Uh, They're still family, they're united. And he actually appeals to each one. The the Greek's fairly specific. It's each individual. Uh, It's a group task, but it's also an individual responsibility. Each person chooses unity in how they respond to small, practical decisions. How you respond in conversations. How you speak to people. uh, The things you choose to make an issue over and the things you choose to overlook. Uh, Paul says again and again, each of you make the choice to be united. And it's an active thing. It's not simply overlooking and failing to argue. It's actually being intentional and working at unity. Paul doesn't say don't argue. He says work at being united. That word for being united is the word that's used for restoring things, for mending fishing nets. And Paul says do that sort of work when it comes to unity. Paul emphasises the point. Agree with one another is literally speak the same. And then he adds, be united with the same mind and with the same thought or intention. The same speech, same mind, same intention. Whatever it is that you do, do it with words, with attitude, with action. Uh, So, does this sort of unity mean that you have to agree with everybody about everything? Does it mean there is to be no difference of opinion? Are we to be a church of little clones? Well, no, I think Paul explains what he means in the negative when he says agree with one another means no divisions. You can have different opinions, but those different opinions are not to result in divisions. Divisions. So, for example, I can have a different opinion with someone about how you baptise or when you baptise someone or about which Bible translation is the best or about what sort of activities the Christian can do on a Sunday. Uh, But those differences of opinion shouldn't divide. Uh, We can try to convince each other that we're right and they're not but we do that within unity without causing divisions. I think there's a difference between unity and uniformity. In fact, uh, later on in the the book, Paul actually rejoices in differences, uh, that the church is not uniform. In fact, it's actually crucial that the church has differences. Chapter 12 describes the church as a body where each part has a different role, each part is gifted in a different way. That's the way to have a healthy body, when everybody has a range of different skills and gifts that we're not uniform. Uh, Different ages, different preferences, different connections with different groups of people. But within that difference we're all united in the goal of preaching Jesus, of uh, living for him. Now that's what the church should be like in Corinth but that's not the way things were in reality. Uh, Verse 12, he'd actually heard about quarrels and divisions. One of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Paulus, another I follow Kephas." still another I follow Christ. What Paul wants is that each individual agrees but instead you've got each individual saying, I follow this person or I follow that person. If you look at the history of the Corinthian church in Acts 18 you can see where some of this might come from. Acts chapter 18, Paul arrives in Corinth, there's no Christians there at all. He meets Priscilla and Aquila, verse 2, and uh, over a period of time together they preach the gospel and they plan a church. Verse 11 of Acts 18, he stays for a year and a half in Corinth. He would know this group of people well. Uh, They're loyal to him. They would owe their salvation humanly speaking of Paul. You can see why some of them would say, I follow Paul. He was our founding pastor. Uh, Then Paul leaves for Ephesus together with Priscilla and Aquila and when they're in Ephesus they meet Apollos according to Acts 18. Verse 24 tells us that Apollos was educated, he knew the scriptures well, he spoke passionately and boldly about Jesus. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila encourage Apollos to head back to Corinth, their hometown, to help the church there. So Apollos goes, verse 27 He's a great help. Uh, we read he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So Paulus, uh, Paulus is a pretty cluey guy and a good performer. He was a champion public speaker. Quite probably he was more persuasive than even Paul. And so he attracted a loyal following. Then you've got a group who followed Kephas. Uh, If uh, if that name's not familiar to you, it's Peter, the Apostle Peter's real name. Uh, Peter was just his nickname. So, Kephas, that's his Jewish name. Uh, And so maybe this group of people were were the Jewish Christians and they wanted to follow the original Apostle, the one who'd walked with Jesus. Uh, The original is the best, perhaps they're saying. And then you've got a fourth group, some who said, all of you are wrong, we're the best, we follow Christ. And it's hard to argue with that group, isn't it? Now having opinions is fine, but the problem is when it leads to division. And it seems that even the group who say, I follow Christ, were about causing division and separating themselves from the other groups rather than uniting. So at what point does it become sin when you have a different opinion? When do they become divisive? When does it become sin... For one person to prefer modern music and another person to prefer hymns. Or one person who likes the Lord's Supper every week or someone else who likes it quarterly. At what point does that become sin? Well, I think there's two lines that you can cross. Uh, Firstly, uh, when there's pride and superiority behind the differences. And secondly, when the focus on Christ is lost. So firstly, the problem of pride. I think this is probably the type of sin, especially in the group that say, I follow Christ. Perhaps you've heard something similar when uh, two Christians are having a a biblical debate and one person dismissively says of the other, well, you can just believe what you want. I will just believe the Bible. You know, I like to believe the Bible and you can believe what you want. Now, Now, of course, both sides want to do that, but the message that's being sent by that sort of comment is... Well, that other person, they, they don't want to believe the Bible uh, simply because they don't have the same opinion as the first person. So that's causing division. There's a, a problem where the difference of opinion, I think, leads moves over into sin when there's pride. Perhaps you can fall into the same trap uh, when you're having a discussion or a, an argument with someone and... Uh, You just want to to wait until they're quiet so you can say what you want to say. You're not actually listening to them, you're not actually listening to understand, you're not actually listening uh, to see whether they're actually right. You're just waiting for them to stop talking so you can speak again. There's not a lot of pride, there's not a lot of humility in that sort of attitude. There's no place, I think, when we have differences of opinion for pride. Uh, Instead unity is built on good listening and on humility. Well, there's the first line that we can cross. The second line, I think, is when personalities take over from Christ. Uh, People are are distracted from following Jesus because they're too busy following the followers. Uh, It's it's a problem because, after all, it's Jesus who saves, and uh, his servants uh, are nothing. That's Paul's argument there in verse 13. Three rhetorical questions. Uh, all designed to point the, the, the Corinthians back to Jesus. Uh, so look there in verse 13. Paul says, Is Christ divided? Of course he's not divided. So you shouldn't be divided either. Was Paul crucified for you? Of course not. Apollos, Cephas weren't crucified for you either. Why would you follow them? It's Christ who gave his life for you. Follow him. And the third question, were you baptised into the name of Paul? Well, that's ridiculous. Of course you weren't. You were baptised into the name of Christ. He's the one you should follow. At. Christ is the centre, he's the author, he's your saviour. Don't focus on people. But I wonder if Paul's not also saying something even more profound than that. And I think it's to do with what it means to be baptised into the name of Christ. Think of how the logic might progress with Paul's three questions. He begins with a question to do with the nature of Christ. Is Christ divided? No, he's actually one. Second question, was anyone else crucified for you? No, Christ was crucified for you. Christ defeated sin and death and paid for each of you. And then the third question, Christ was baptized, you were baptized into Christ's name. Each one of you was joined to Jesus in fellowship. And that means uh, each of you must be one with each other because you're actually joined to Jesus, who is one. Jesus is one. Jesus died for each of you and joined uh, himself to each of you, and therefore you're all joined to each other. Jesus described it with the picture of the vine and the branches in John 15. He said, He's the vine, He's the central trunk, if you like, and each of the branches are connected to Him, and therefore uh, they're all part of the one vine. Back up in verse 10, there's something uh, unusual, and I think this idea helps explain that. Paul says in verse 10, I appeal in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that everyone agree. Now normally in English that sort of sounds like I appeal by the authority, by the name of our Lord Jesus. But the Greek's a bit unusual. It actually says I appeal to you brothers because of the name of the Lord Jesus that you all agree. And that actually connects the name with the agreeing rather than the appeal. So he's saying something like I appeal to each one to agree because of the name of the Lord Jesus. So I think what he means there is Jesus is one. He has one name and one identity and you're all connected to him so therefore you should agree. Our unity comes from our relationship with Jesus. He's the centre. Our life comes from him, our forgiveness, our victory is found in him. It's just ridiculous to be disunited when each one is joined to him. He's the one who deserves our praise. It's foolish to focus on personalities like Paul and Apollos. Unfortunately, the city of Corinth was uh, a whole culture to do with praising the the, the top leaders and public speakers. Uh, One of the famous speakers was a guy called Dio Chrysostom, Uh, He was a historian, he was an orator. Uh, His Chrysostom's actually his nickname, it means golden mouth. A bit like John Law's, uh, he was the golden voice with the golden microphone. Uh, And uh, Dio's, one of his most famous speeches was a a number called, a a little comedy number called, In Praise of Beards. So there you go, it must have been hilarious by the sound of it. Uh, But here's what Chrysostom wrote about his fans. When I'd go to a major city, they'd be begging me to address them and advise them and crowds would flock about my doors from early dawn. This guy was a rock star. Uh, There were the the screaming fans outside his house. They all wanted a word or an autograph. Uh, So it's no wonder perhaps that the church, the Christians in Corinth, are, are tending to behave a little like that. Uh, there are some in Paul's fan club and some in Apollos' and some in, in Cephas'. But in verse 17, Paul wants to distance himself from that sort of culture. He says, I didn't come to get involved in that sort of stuff, in the celebrity cult. I was sent instead to preach the gospel. And he specifically says, not with the wisdom of words. That describes Chrysostom perfectly, doesn't it? The wisdom of words. And he said, "I didn't. I didn't come to get involved in that." He says, "The problem when you've got that sort of attitude of, of raising up uh, leaders, it, it robs the cross of its power. It emasculates it. it. It empties the power from the cross. Because when you preach and you're focused on the preacher, people lose sight of the message." Uh, their focus moves from the presentation, uh, from the subject to the presentation of that subject, and their confidence moves from uh, moves to the power of the preacher, rather than the power of the message, rather than the power of the spirit to transform through the message. That's the problem of personality. It was certainly the case in Corinth. This problem of personality, but I wonder if it's not actually worse today. Uh, in modern Australia than it was in Corinth. These days of the internet, we've got the best preachers in the world at our fingertips and we can spend all our time listening to the world's best preachers, to John Piper or Don Carson or Martin Lloyd-Jones or Tim Keller. They preach really well. The problem is not with those preachers or with what they're preaching, just like the problem was never with Paul or Apollos or Cephas. The problem is when hearers shift their focus, shift their attention, shift their confidence from Christ as revealed in the Bible to those preachers who are pointing to him. And their focus becomes instead on how powerful the preacher is rather than how powerful the saviour is. That's how the gospel gets emptied of its power. Let me give you an example Uh, Here's an online biography about one of these big name preachers. Thankfully he didn't write it himself. Uh, Dot 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 is the founding pastor of Dot 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 Church and one of the world's most downloaded and quoted pastors. His audiences span the theological and cultural left and right. He was named one of the 25 most influential pastors of the past 25 years by Preaching Magazine. His audio sermon podcast is regularly number one on iTunes for religion and spirituality uh, and in the top 50 of all podcasts with about 10 million sermons listened to and watched each year. That's impressive, isn't it? No wonder people want to listen to this guy. And look, if I'm honest, uh, it's hard as a preacher not to be just a little bit jealous of someone with that sort of description. But let me ask, what does that description actually say about the message that this guy preaches? Where's Jesus in this? Because that was always Paul's focus, the gospel of Jesus, the cross of Christ. It was Jesus who was crucified for you, baptised. You were baptised into fellowship with him, not with a messenger. Now I don't want to discourage you from listening to internet sermons at all. They're fantastic Uh, But listen prayerfully, listen humbly, uh, listen in a Christ-centred way, making sure he's the focus. So what's all of this mean for us? Uh, Well, as far as I can see, there are no major divisions or disagreements uh, among us as a church. There There are no groups lining up behind personalities. So we need firstly, I guess, to make sure we keep doing the same We need to keep our eyes fixed on our one Saviour, our one Lord, our one Head. This is His church. We need to keep checking that we're united under Him and headed towards Him. Keep checking that we're not distracted by less important tasks, that we keep our priorities clear, that we focus on the cross and the things that exalt Jesus and as we do that, as we, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can continue to rejoice in our diversity. A diversity that has different opinions on different, a range of different things, different experiences, different languages and backgrounds with all sorts of different gifts that can really push the gospel out. And that idea of mending the nets of unity is a good one, isn't it? Uh, let's keep doing that. Let's keep talking and listening with humility understanding differences, noticing and welcoming and including and encouraging so that in all the things that we do, the cross of Christ may not be emptied of its power uh, and that would result in many people being saved for Jesus' honour and glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, uh, that we may trust His work and the message uh, that proclaims him, that even as we try and do things well, as we try and lead people well and as we try and preach and pray and lead studies well, uh, that all of that might come from the humility that wants to put Christ first. And we pray that uh, you might honour those motives as we do that, that you would honour Jesus and you would build your church.